I'd heard about prostate cancer. Most men have. I even knew about the heightened risk for black men, which, when adjusted, means that it affects one in three of us. One in three. But this was only meant to happen to old men. Other men. (laughs) That wasn't until it happened to me. I couldn't make these stories up. These are the stories, the good, the bad and the unbelievable about my prostate cancer journey. So strap yourself in and let's go. Episode 14, Pump and Talk. I have heard of and read many thought-provoking quotes from famous people in my lifetime. I have a dream, Martin Luther King. After climbing a great hill, one only finds there are many more hills to climb, Nelson Mandela. And in August of 2018, the most important quote for me came from Karen, the erectile dysfunction nurse. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Quiet please. Lights. Turn on the advert. Five, four, three, two, one. Action. Cue good looking old white couple. They are retired and have a big house which just so happens to back onto the beach. They're walking hand in hand, looking lovingly into each other's eyes. Oh, there goes Samson, their loyal golden retriever, running up and down, splashing the waves. These two are not eating soup and bread. Nope, they've saved the world for their retirement. They are having caviar tonight. Holding hands, they look lovingly into each other's eyes. After 40 years, that flame still burns bright. They are so very much in love. She nuzzles her head on his shoulder. He kisses her forehead. Oh, I'm so lucky. Now, cut to them gardening together, side by side exchanging loving glances as they turn over the weeds and pick their fresh ripe tomatoes. Then we cut to the living room. They're sitting in their sumptuous chairs, having a glass of wine, again just looking into each other's eyes. We see on the mantelpiece, one son is a top lawyer and their daughter is a top marketing executive in LA. Wow, what a life. Enter the number one product of its time. The Morion Erectile Pump. But you have to imagine that you're saying that with one of those really excited American voices, which I can't do. Where has this been all of my life? Now, in reality, I don't know what any of that had to do with selling a pump. That's how they were trying to sell it. It's a pump. It resembles a cheap ray gun if you were thinking back to a 60s or 50s B-movie. To this day, I still wonder what all of the walking on the beach and having a glass of wine and 
looking at the kids on the mantelpiece had to do with a pump, but what do I know about marketing? If the king is not exercised, scar tissue will develop, and that is another set of problems which you just don't need on top of everything else. We were told, quite simple, use it daily until the king functions on its own. It's like physiotherapy for the king, but that one sentence, use it or lose it, tends to stick in your mind. Now, from the nods in the room, I seem to be the only one that had not picked mine up yet. That task now shot to the top of my to-do list. So once I got the prescription, I headed off to my local pharmacy. One of those quiet pharmacies that was never ever busy, and you sometimes wonder how they actually make money. Maybe they had a roaring trade in contraband, who knows? I got in there, and there was one other old boy sitting down waiting for his prescription to be filled. Now, for whatever reason, I seemed to get a bit nervous. You know, remembering back to those days as a spotty teenager on my first mission to buy a box of condoms. Luckily, the attendant was a nonchalant male in his early 20s who didn't care. So I smiled to myself, this is going to be a simple hit and run. Yeah, unfortunately this is me. Somehow it never works out to be that simple. We smiled at each other and I handed over the prescription. He took it, punched a few keys in the register, and then stopped. And looked puzzled. What is this? He asked. I let out a short sigh. I have prostate cancer, and it's a pump. I had to get in the cancer bit because I had no idea if he was likely to press his freak button and a load of people were going to come out of the back and bundle me, or the police were going to be called. I just wasn't happy having to explain what it was, but I'll be out of here soon. The bell on the door jingled. We were now joined in the shop by a young mum and their little baby. The assistant flipped the prescription over and back again, like he was expecting a diagram on the other side. Defeated, he now went to go and see one of the other, more experienced gentlemen at the back of the shop. The bell on the door jingled again. Now there were three of them at the back of the shop, gathering around his prescription like it was a peace treaty, and they needed to examine every single part of it. I was just beginning to wonder, well, how hard is it? The bell on the door jingled again. We were now joined in the shop by a middle-aged man. This little shop was beginning to get fuller by the minute. And guess what? There's some freak holding up the queue. Eventually, the pharmacist came over and asked me why didn't I take the prescription into a pharmacy nearer to my surgery? Well, my surgery is six miles away, and I explained that I just hadn't changed it since I'd moved years ago. I just don't go to the doctors that often. He nodded, and he said he had to order it. Thankfully, he didn't explain what he had to order, and the growing crowd in the shop were none the wiser. So, off I went. A few days later I returned, this time armed with a thick opaque plastic bag and walked purposely into the shop and practically straight out again with my dodgy contraband. There's me nervously scanning left to right as I'm leaving the shop but within a little time I was safely home. 
So I hid the bag for a couple of days while I formalized my plan of usage. It was almost as if I was building a pipe bomb. I had to work out the best time I could do it and be completely undisturbed and undetected. So I set a date and made sure the fridge and the freezer were stocked with all the necessary comfort foods. Lemonade, ice cream, they were required to numb the pain. I was really going wild here. So one night, I crept up, the house was still asleep. I turned on the television and put it onto silent. It was there glowing and blaring gently in the background. And as I was watching one of my recorded programs, the first set of people were being dutifully murdered. Just before I use the pump, my ego is carefully unscrewed and placed in a box on the table, right next to my pride. Both lids are shut and a word isn't said. The king has his sun cream liberally applied and he enters his private sunbed chamber at one end. The door is closed and the air is pumped out at the other end. The king says hi and stretches out on his sunbed. Welcome back, your majesty, and enjoy sunbathing. Soon, the button releases the air, which brings out the clouds, and the king is having none of that and goes back indoors. The door is closed and the air is pumped out. The king says hi again and stretches back out on his sunbed. Welcome back, your majesty, and enjoy the sunbathing. This becomes Groundhog Day for the next 10 minutes. It was the routine to be done alone while watching people being bumped off on either medical detectives, killer kids or bizarre murders, as you do. The best way to describe it is like doing a number two. It's something you have to do, but you really don't want or need an audience watching you. You do this on autopilot, alone, and just want to get it out of the way. Some days are much harder though. Thankfully, there weren't many of them. They were few and far between. I remember one day raging so much about my dad and him putting me in this predicament. I worked up myself so much. I had to forget about using a pump and just go back to bed and sleep it off. Some days it just seemed never ending and sometimes I just want to just give up. But thankfully, most of the time, just get on with it. Something I have to do. Just something I have to do. It makes me want to slap and shake these guys that they have the choice to avoid getting to this stage. But because of ignorance or because of fear, okay, that bit I can perhaps understand. At the end, boxes are open. Ego is carefully removed from the box and the pride screwed back in and just get on with life. Just get on with the rest of the day. And I'm going to have the same battle tomorrow. I have to keep reminding myself that I'm actually fortunate. As much as I don't like doing this, not all the time, but there definitely have my days, I'm still very fortunate. Both sets of nerves were saved. I have to think, what if I'd left it later? What if I'd never started this journey? Things could be very, very different. Prostrate cancer. That gift that just keeps on giving. Well, the end of another session. Mr. Ice Cream is there to soothe my pain. So now it's time to sit back and just watch a spurned woman killing off her love rival or a couple of ungrateful kids 
murdering their parents. Or maybe that husband that thought he got away with it. So when I made this promise with God, as you do, about getting me through this operation, I said I was going to talk about this. And that's when I decided I'm going to join Prostrate Cancer UK. I got onto their website and knew they were looking for volunteers. So I filled in a contact form. And about a week later, I got a call and spoke to a very pleasant woman called Emma. I was very impressed to say the least with what she had to say. And after a few emails, I was invited to attend their quarterly meeting for volunteers called the Hub Meeting. I was also told to make sure that I mingled with the group and if there was anyone that I would like to be buddied with. They have this buddy system where you shadow an experienced volunteer until you're confident enough to go out on your own. There's different things you can volunteer to do. You can shake a bucket, man a desk, or just give out leaflets. Or if you're a little bit more ambitious, you could present an awareness talk. It just so happens that their offices are just a few minutes from Guy's Hospital. So London Bridge was the nearest station. As I got off the train and approached the exit, Mr. Terrified spotted me from about 30 feet. We had eye contact for a split second, and then a couple of tourists that were just minding their own business, looking at a map, were suddenly interrupted by this burly black man who suddenly had this overwhelming interest to help them. I knew he'd see me because as I was getting closer, he was giving me that odd fleeting frightened look as I approached. I said to myself, it's quite funny that this guy has got so much fear when he sees me. I thought maybe one day, you know, I could go and rent a Grim Reaper costume and that would really give him a heart attack. But today, I had other things on my mind. 